Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, good morning and happy Palm Sunday. Well, this is Palm Sunday. Again, Palm Sunday is a day where we recognize Jesus' triumphal entry going into Jerusalem uh, before he goes to the cross. And so we want to talk about that event Also, I want to let you know that this Friday, we are going to have a Good Friday service at the Genesis building. So it'll be this Friday at 7 o'clock. If you guys are interested, you can come on down. We will be partaking of communion together. And the time will be short. It'll probably be about 40 minutes or so. Um, We're going to have a few songs and then just have that time where we remember Uh, the sacrifice, and celebrate communion together. So you guys are invited to that. Let's pause and let's pray as we start this morning. God, we are grateful for allowing us to contemplate all the things that are written in Scripture, all the things that you've done, and how they affect our lives. And I do pray, God, that you would inspire us this morning, that you would provoke us so that we can live the life that you've created us to live. Again, thank you for an opportunity to gather to remember this day and all that it means to us in our faith. We do ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to talk to you about a flight to New Orleans, the Tournament of Champions, Exercise, and Netflix... Hannibal the Conqueror, and a God complex, okay? A number of years ago, we got a phone call from one of my sons who was hit by a car, had a concussion, and was in New Orleans, and then he hung up. And we didn't know what was going on. Now, there is a lot more in this story, but that's kind of the gist of it. We, we had this understanding that he got hit by a car, he got in an altercation with someone, and now he was wandering the streets of New Orleans, and we did not know where. And so I had the pleasure of booking a flight to New Orleans that night, not knowing where he was, not knowing what I was going to find, it was this impending doom, this looming, wondering what is going to happen, and the prognosis didn't look good. Have you ever been in a situation where you're looking forward and the future does not look bright? It looks dark. 
Well, in Jesus' life, there was so much being stirred up by his teaching and his healing and his contrast with the religious Pharisees and the conflict that it arose that people were out to kill him. And he is now going to Jerusalem where it's the heart of these people who are against him. And one of the passage in John's gospel, when Jesus is going and the story where he heals Lazarus and he's heading to Jerusalem, one of his disciples, Thomas, called the twin, always nice when you're called the twin, twins are always called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us, go, let us all go along with the teacher so that we may die with him. This was his attitude. We're going into trouble. We might as well go and we'll die with him just like Lazarus died. Jesus is going to be killed. Let's go with him. That was their attitude going into Jerusalem because of the conflict that Jesus had stirred up between himself and the people who were in power. But then we come to Jerusalem and we see that there is such an overwhelming response to him, to his work with the people, that there are multitudes gathering to receive him. And that's where we find ourselves today in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Could follow along with me. Said, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. There Jesus sent two of the disciples on ahead with these instructions. Go to the village there ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied up with her colt beside her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything, tell him, the master needs them, and then he will let them go at once." This happened in order to make come true what the prophet had said. Tell the city of Zion, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble and rides on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did what Jesus had told them to do. They brought the donkey and the colt, threw their cloaks over them, and Jesus got on. A large crowd of people spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds walking in front of Jesus and those walking behind began to shout, Praise to David's son! God bless him who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise be to God! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was thrown into an uproar. Who is he? the people asked. This is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth in Galilee, the crowds answered. This is an incredible moment, if you could just picture this. Here is a nation waiting for a savior, a messiah, waiting for someone to deliver them. Here is a rabbi doing incredible things that they think 
This has to be him. No one else has done the things that he has done. No one else speaks like he does. This is the moment we've been waiting for. And so as Jesus comes into Jerusalem on this Passover celebration that's upcoming, they are ecstatic. And they are jubilant. And they are filled with excitement and This is a moment to be remembered. It's a moment that was talked about by the prophets. And it's one of these things that is just filled with excitement. I I wonder, what is one of the most memorable or exciting moments in your life? Right? It might be a marriage. It might be a childbirth. and, And there's other events that happen. And a lot of times they're events of success. Right? You, you did something. You, you played at an auditorium that was packed and overflowing, and you remember that. Your little league team goes to the tournament of champions, and you remember that. Your softball team wins, and you remember that because you got nothing else, right? You got to remember something. And it's these successes that you accomplish, that you have, that you start to remember because they're the time when something great in your life happened, at least to you. And, and you would think that this is one of those times, right? Here is a, an event where there are multitudes of pil- people. I mean, they estimate it's in the millions of people from all over the surrounding counties that come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And here is Jesus at this time where everyone is just shouting out and there's a crowd gathering and everyone's wondering, what's that crowd about, right? You ever been in a situation where you see a crowd gathering or you see a bunch of police cars and everyone stops and wonders, what's going on? And so this is one of these events that's probably filled with excitement but I think it's filled with a lot more. You see, we know in the Gospels of the temptation of Christ, and the temptation of Christ is when he was driven out to the wilderness, right? And and there is this dialogue with the tempter, with Satan saying, you know, if you're the son of God, turn these rocks to bread, because Jesus had been fasting and praying. And we think of that as being this temptation, but I'm sure there were other temptations. And I would imagine that this is probably one of the greatest temptations. To have to go through this enormous crowd shouting your praise, but not be swayed by the crowd to deter what you are there to do. Because he went through the crowd but wasn't swayed by the crowd so that at the end he would stand alone for the same crowd. He would have to abandon his applause so that he wouldn't abandon us. But it probably felt really good to have all these people shouting celebrating you. But it's a celebration without sacrifice. And I wonder how many times we choose 
what's easier rather than what's better. How many times do we know what would be better for us to do, but it requires too much work? We know that we should go out for a walk in the evening, but there's a new Netflix series on. And if you're going to get three episodes in, you better start now. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, four in the morning. And, and so it's easier to sit down, lay down, and watch Netflix than it is to go out for a run or for a walk or to exercise, even though it would be better for you to do the exercise. Jesus here does not choose what's easier, but he chooses what's better. But he chooses what's better for us. He chooses what's better and what's going to help others not necessarily himself. And it's hard for us not to try to be what we think others want us to be or what's going to give us a sense of satisfaction from others. The praise of people has a huge effect on us. The approval of our coworkers, of our parents, of our friends, influences so many of the things that we do that it's hard to detach ourselves from that kind of influence. But sometimes we need to do this so that we can actually become not what other people think is good for us, but what God thinks is good for us. To not try to become what everyone else wants us to become, but to become what God wants us to become. How many people do I know who who started a career because that's the plan their parents had for them? And then later on in life, they're thinking, this is not what makes me happy or makes me feel alive. This does not spark joy in my life. I wanted to do whatever this is, but I ended up doing this because this was the good paycheck. All right, I became a CPA because I know there's money in it, but I hate doing the numbers. I wanted to be an architect or something else. And, and they changed the whole direction of their life based on what someone else wanted for them. And then down the road, they find themselves in a place thinking, man, I am miserable here. This is not who I am. And the need to break loose of that is difficult. And it's hard for us. And sometimes we have to ask, who are we? But the more important question is, who are we becoming? Right? Who am I becoming? Because we are all transitioning. We are all moving. Right? Ever have someone call you and ask you, where are you? Well, I can't really tell you where I am because where I am is always changing. I can tell you where I've been, and I can tell you where I'm going, but I can't tell you where I am. My wife says, would you shut up and just tell me where you are? Okay, I'm on the five heading to Lake Forest. But our lives are in transition. We are constantly moving. Who are you becoming? 
Because oftentimes we look back to who we were and we're trying to hold on to something that maybe has happened or trying to secure where we are and we're not contemplating really where we are going. And again, the choices we make today determine the people we will be tomorrow. For good or for bad. And oftentimes when we take the easiest route, we find ourselves in a place that isn't where we really would like to be. And and even of Jesus... The writer to Hebrews says, but even though he was God's son, he learned through his sufferings to be obedient. Now, this is one of those passages that just blows my mind because to think that Jesus had to learn something is contrary to maybe what we've been taught. No, he knew everything that he needed to know. No, he had to learn obedience. Didn't he just know it? No, you learn by doing. It's not just information, which is where we have such a problem, right? In Christianity, there is this push to be orthodox, orthodoxy, to have the right belief. But there is no push on orthopraxy, having the right practices, doing the right things. That was our whole essentials thing. It's The essentials aren't believing the right things. It's becoming the right people, And Jesus had to grow in his life and learn what God wanted for him through suffering. And this is spoken about him when he's in the garden before he's going to the cross. This obedience that this isn't the easy road, but this is the one I am supposed to fill. You see, here is a triumphant entry. The crowd is shouting. They want to make him king. This is the moment it would be easy to celebrate their praise and not go through the sacrifice. But that is less than the life that he has. That is less than what he is here for. It would be a detour. It would be a tragedy for him not to accomplish what he was there for. And and I wonder how many of us live tragic lives because God has created us for purpose and for meaning and we settle for easy. We, We want to please people. It makes us feel good. We, we want the praise of people and there's nothing wrong with those things unless it stops you from becoming who you really need to be. Our fear is that if people really know us, they will not love us, right? And our first dates, those who've been on a first date, and those of you who are married, and those of you who maybe are dating, or those of you who are thinking of dating, here's usually how it goes. Your first date is your chance to pretend to be someone you're not. 
And through time, you will disclose little bits of information, hoping that they still like you, but you still want to put this image forward because, oh my gosh, if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. Right, but if someone loves you and doesn't know you, it's superficial. If someone knows you and doesn't love you, that's our greatest fear. But when someone knows you and still loves you, that's our deepest desire. And you see, God knows you and loves you anyway. You don't have to put on the good shirt, the good face forward. When I started dating Kareen, I didn't have any good clothes. All my good clothes were like 10 years old, and so I'm putting on these 10-year-old shirts that are like from high school, right? I'm trying to make an impression. I did. God doesn't need you to change, to love you. He wants to take you where you're at and move us to where we need to be. You see, Jesus is going through the crowd, but this is not the destination. He has to move through it. He has to disregard their desire for him because God has a desire for him and he's going to learn obedience by accomplishing God's desire for him. And so it says that he enters the city on a donkey and on a colt full of a donkey. I don't know why he had two, but he did. And why a donkey, right? How many sports teams do you know that are called the donkeys, right? I mean, I think of Shrek, right? I mean, I think of donkey. That'll do, donkey. You know, I mean, it's like this does not have prestige in it. There, there's nothing magnificent in a donkey, it's a beast of burden. It's used to carry things for other people. It's not something that you look at and, and see as noble or strong in the way that we think of. And you've got, you know, Jesus going into Jerusalem. And in the Roman Empire, you have the idea of Caesar with his horses, the stallions riding in. Later on, you'd have Hannibal the Conqueror, not Lecter, Right? Hannibal the Conqueror, and he would come in on an elephant. Why would he come in on an elephant? Because he needed something as big as his ego. But here's Jesus. There is no ego. And he comes in on a donkey. He comes in not to conquer, but to sacrifice. And so many times we hear things about God, like people say, oh, he has a God complex, right? He thinks he can do whatever he wants. 
he, he acts like he's the boss of everybody. Oh, he's got a God complex. But you see, that's not a God complex. This is a God complex. You want a God complex? It's on a donkey coming to sacrifice. That's a God complex. You want a God complex? It's someone coming to serve and help the needs of others. That's a God complex. We keep taking our darkness and throwing it on God when it should be ours. If we wanted a God complex, it would be that of serving. Hey, what do you think you're doing? Setting up these chairs and setting up the sound every morning. You got a God complex or something? What do you think you're doing? Helping the children out in the class. Teaching them studies and stuff. Telling them stories. You got a God complex or something? You see, that's a God complex. We've got it so twisted. And once again, we take what is little in us and we magnify it on God and we think that that is a God complex when it is exactly the opposite. A true God complex looks like this because Jesus was big enough to ride into Jerusalem in humility. Jesus was big enough to not be deterred by the voices all around him celebrating and miss what he was there to do. Jesus was big enough to wrap a towel around his waist and wash his disciples' feet. Jesus is big enough to take rejection from those who are closest to him and still love them. Jesus is big enough to take our violence, our darkness, our bitterness, our shame, and still bring healing. Jesus is big enough to love us in spite of our mediocrity. He is big enough to love us even when we take the road that is easy instead of the road that is good. He is big enough to stand for us when no one else will. I think the lesson that I need to learn from Christ in this story was that he was not swayed or derailed by the influence of others or the ease that was available. You know, in verse 9, it says that they said, Praise to David's son. God bless him who comes in the name of the Lord. That was history. That's what the prophets talked about, that Jesus was going to be. But that wasn't his future, not at this moment. Some of us are living in the past, the past success, the past glory, maybe even the past hurt. We are holding on to these things in the past and we are letting them define who we are instead of pressing on to who God has created us to be and the things that can be accomplished by us but it's not easy. And it always requires sacrifice. But the choice is there. Are we going to be swayed by the other voices, by our inner voice settling for less, or are we going to move forward? 
because we are part of the work of God if we are followers of Christ. And like those shouting out around Jesus, the crowds that were there, shouting out these things to him, what they were expecting. Church is not a crowd where we can disappear. It is a movement that we are to be involved with. And what Palm Sunday is about is about looking forward to what God is going to do. What is God going to do in your life? What does God want to do in your life? Are you living in that? Or are you stuck because of other voices? Are you stuck because sacrifice is hard? Learn from Jesus that obedience grows in sacrifice. That the future for you, for me, is not the easiest one, but it is the best one when we follow what God has put within us and how we should live. Let us not stop here in Jerusalem because the crowd is making things comfortable. Everyone is on our page. All our ducks are in a row. Things are smelling roses, however they're turning up. Whatever. (coughs) Don't settle for less. When God has a future, that's more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your example in Christ. We thank you that we see what obedience looks like, and it's humble. It's easy to interact with. It is something that stands out by not standing out. It is strength in humility. It is beauty in sacrifice. And Lord, as these things just echo within us, may we hear your voice through the the noise of the crowd, through all the other voices telling us how we should live and, and what we need and what is and isn't enough. May we not settle or stop short of all that you have for us. Father, I pray as we move forward as a community that we would continue to step into your story, into the work of your kingdom so that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, allow that to be a reality in my heart, in our lives, in our community, we pray. In Jesus' name.
Let's stand together. May you not be trapped in the past. May the voices not drown out your purpose in God. May you live a life that is deep in meaning and abandon what is shallow. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you Friday night. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.